The information and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ASRM and its affiliates. These podcasts are provided as a source of general information and are not a substitute for consultation with a physician. Welcome to ASRM Today, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into the current topics in reproductive medicine. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Jeffrey Hayes, your host for this episode of ASRM Today. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Fleur Cottrell. Dr. Cottrell is the medical director of IVF in Melbourne, Australia, and is here to talk about her experiences during the COVID-19 pandemic. Dr. Cottrell, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. When did things begin to change in Melbourne and in Australia due to sure. COVID? Well, actually, 2020 began very badly in Australia. Uh, we were still recovering from devastating bushfires that destroyed thousands of houses, killed many people and millions of animals. Smoke was all over Melbourne for weeks and, and Sydney as well. Even though the fires were many hours away, smoke was even getting into our, some of our IVF laboratories, um, which was a big problem. Many international tourists decided to not come to Australia. Um, remember that USA put out travel advice saying don't come to Australia, which probably actually helped decrease some of the um, COVID-19 cases. Uh, then uh, in the start of February, our Prime Minister Scott Morrison banned flights from China. And, and at this time, we thought this was probably another SARS or MERS. And then early March, all international travel was banned. All Australians were advised to come home from overseas and quarantine for 14 days. Um, the government acquired hotels for this purpose. Uh, our Grand Prix was cancelled. Our football was cancelled. So it's getting pretty serious at this point. And all the uh, state borders were, were closed. Um, that's when we really had to think about our internal policies and procedures in our IVF clinic. And then all non-essential services were closed, such as shops and schools, and the public were advised to stay home and only go out if they were to buy food. Uh, then a couple of weeks later, the Prime Minister ordered elective surgery to stop, which included IVF. At this time, it was pretty scary. It was predicted that in Australia, we would have over 100,000 deaths. A sleep apnea machine maker reinvented itself as a ventilator machine um, manufacturer uh, so that we could ramp up our ICU capacity. So it was uh, pretty serious at this point. Pre the pandemic, what were IVF centre numbers like? Well, our IVF centre sees 4,000 egg collections a year. Uh, we have 28 doctors and uh, three laboratories. Our main laboratory is in the centre of Melbourne. So um, we, we were at full capacity at, at that point in time. Is Melbourne the reproductive care centre for Australia? Oh, particularly Melbourne IPF, of course. <laughs> so uh, there's large clinics in, in every city, uh, mainly in the main main capital cities in Australia. So currently then the IVF centres have been opened back up? Well, uh, yes. Um, I mean, that, I guess we, you know, we all watched the, the news and expected to end up like 
Italy. Um, we're expecting this huge wave, wave of, of COVID-19 patients to overwhelm the hospitals. Um, even many of the IVF doctors put their names down to help out at the front line. Um, and in fact, that wave never, never came, um, which was pretty amazing. Uh, we've only had uh, 7,000 infections out of a, a population of 25 million so far. Um, sadly, 100 deaths as of mid-May. Um, but yeah, we're opening back, back up now. Um, and we're expecting outbreaks, but we also have a high level of testing. So we're, we're hoping to contain them. So we were actually only down for about um, three weeks, um, not the um, six months that was initially predicted. And um, you know, fortunately, our Prime Minister announced a, a JobKeeper payment. So instead of making our staff redundant, we could pay them a wage and essentially keep them on board. And so we only had downtime for three weeks. Um, and so they were they were all all back um, after this time. Even with these low case numbers, as a reproductive medical center, what are the approaches you're taking to deal with COVID-19 as patients again begin to come back? Yeah, so uh, I guess there's been a lot, lot of work around um, internal and external communication within the organisation. Um, in terms of patient communication, um, Certainly, they are all advised to bring a mask to the clinic, uh, which is not part of everyday life in Australia. It's probably considered a little bit excessive um, here in Australia, perhaps not elsewhere. Um, we have uh, temperature monitoring, which meant that you know we had to make sure we knew all the um, back exits were, were closed and certain lifts closed so that people couldn't get into our facility without their temperature being taken or um, a symptom list checked. Every communication has some sort of reference to COVID-19 checking for symptoms. Um, that uh, is our main um, way we're preventing COVID-19 entering our clinic. Uh, we also advise all the, the staff to stay, stay home if any uh, symptom at all, even a runny nose. And also if any family member has an illness, we would prefer them to stay home at least until they have testing or if we can establish that that family member is negative for COVID. Have there been any large surprises for you during this pandemic about what's going on professionally? I guess how quickly we've all had to transition to telehealth. Um, and in a matter of days, our um, government came up with uh, some Medicare item numbers that allowed us to to do phone consults and telehealth consults. And you know this would have taken years um, to uh, achieve. And it just wouldn't have happened without pressure of a pandemic. Digital healthcare will will be you know something that will stay with us now. Uh, future using you know online consulting, electronic prescribing, electronic signatures will open up fertility treatments for all sorts of patients, perhaps in remote areas, 
and it'd be fantastic for the you know the busy professional who really can't find time to come to the office to see us. So virtual meetings uh, are super efficient um, by reducing the travel time. Uh, and also it seems to be a really excellent way to collaborate with our interstate colleagues and also you know, internationally. So then do you think that this pandemic then has brought about a better collegiality? I, I guess both. So, I mean, stress often brings the worst out in people. Um, you know, when at the very start, when there was a lot of fear, there um, was um, quite a lot of um, masks taken from the theatre and hand sanitizer and toilet paper was disappearing. Um, so, uh, and some other stressful organisational events that I can't really go into detail about, but um, I think that um, probably, uh, you know, in some ways um, uncovers the, the weaknesses of an organisation. But there's certainly been some, some things that are, are surprising that um, have potentially changed the organisation for the better in terms of communication. The fact that we have had to communicate very well as a a team and certainly I've never had so many Zoom meetings in all my life. That has been quite a positive. I think the other thing that we've had to do is form um, communication lines with government and regulatory bodies and the private and public hospital net network. So communication in, in that way, knowing who to speak to to get things done has been a, a positive out of, out of all this. Thank you so much. I've been speaking today with Dr. Fleur Cottrell. Dr. Cottrell, greatly appreciate your time. And again, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me and letting me tell my story. This concludes this episode of ASRM Today. For show notes, other information, and discussions, go to asrmtoday.org.